You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1100 of Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has been more always than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Today's podcast, in addition to being episode 1100 of the show, breaks down the season opener between the Hawks and the Mavs, in which the Hawks were dominant. A 113-87 win for Atlanta at home against the Mavericks. And uh, you couldn't really ask for much more than this one from Atlanta. They were awesome in this game, particularly defensively. And we'll talk about all of that, as we always do. If you're a new listener to the podcast, what we do after these games is break down everything that transpired from the game flow to takeaways, individual performances, stats, analysis, etc. And on today's show, a special guest appearance from Always a fantastic friend of the podcast, Tower Jones, who was so impressed by the performance that he had to come on for a few minutes later on. So Tower will be joining me near the end of the podcast. But a lot to get into on the show. And again, top line thought, the Hawks were just tremendous defensively in this game and a very, very impressive win. So before we get into the game, there is one piece of non-game news, and that's that Dominique Wilkins made the NBA's top 75 list of all-time players. And honestly, I would have spent 10 minutes on this or longer had he been snubbed because I've been ranting about this for a long time. Neek was famously snubbed from the top 50 list 25 years ago, and uh, that's been lingering ever since. I remember being very angry about this as a a smaller uh, human being than I am now. But uh, Neek, that was rectified by the NBA. He made the top 75 list, and good to see some recognition there. So when we shot that out, good to see that being corrected at this point in time. At any rate, we'll dive into the game. Um, Injury-wise, the only thing that was uh, notable for Atlanta in this game is that Danilo Gallinari did not play. He was listed as questionable, as I talked about with Sarah Spencer on yesterday's podcast. He ended up not playing, uh, actually was kind of ruled out pretty early today on Thursday morning. Nate McMillan said he was not going to be able to, able to play in this game. Lou Williams was listed as questionable, ended up being active, but didn't play. You know, that's always interesting to see, like, whether that was game-related, whether that was injury-related. But because they, they had DeLon Wright, it might just be anything to worry about too much. But that's worth noting as well. He was active, did not play in this game. Um, Capella was on a minutes restriction, which we'll come back to later on. Um, Nate would not reveal pregame or postgame what the actual restriction was. But he played 21 minutes, which we'll come back to later on. And also, because of the Hawks having multiple players out, they could actually have Sharif Cooper and Skylar Mays on the two-way contracts. Both those guys were active in this game because unlike previous seasons, the NBA has actually expanded their active list to 15, 15 players per game. So you can have 15 guys on your roster active for each and every game. That means in uniform and eligible to play. Two, two-way guys have a max of 50 games where they can actually be active, but because they had Gallinari and Okongwu out of the lineup, um, they ended up having Mays and Cooper active and they actually both played at the very, very end of this contest. Because this is sort of a high-profile National TV opener, our friends at Bet Online, our uh, betting partners on this podcast, have had a lineup, uh, have sort of had a lineup for weeks and months. It's been Hawks favored by two and a half points for several weeks at this point in time. And it basically sat there all day today. It went to two at one point, went back to two and a half, ended up closing there. And uh, hopefully everybody was on the right side of that one because the Hawks won this game going away by a 26 point margin, um, even with Dallas at full strength and all of that stuff. Um, we'll dive in now to the game flow as it was 
in this game. Um, at the top, it was kind of a slow start, and everybody kind of noted that uh, you know early in this game. Uh, Collins actually scored the first bucket of the season on a turnaround jump shot over Porzingis using his touch. He had a couple of those in this game, but um, Dallas actually led 10 to two. So as crazy as this was, the Hawks were down 10 to two in this game. Dallas had two threes in the first 90 seconds. The Hawks turned the ball over a few times at the outset, but then there was an immediate 12-0 response from the Hawks. Um, threes from Bogdanovich in back-to-back fashion, and a tip in from Clint Capella. After a timeout, Capella had a great block on Dorian Finney-Smith, and then Dallas actually missed nine shots in a row. And from that point forward, the Hawks never really trailed. Um, Rotationally, it wasn't terribly surprising. It was kind of what I expected, to be honest. Um, Kevin Herter, as the first sub, came for Capella, who was on that restriction. And then they brought in Reddish for Bogdanovich right after that. They went small in this game, uh, although Gorgie Jane did, did play some, but they ended up sort of leaning to these small lineups a little bit more than you might expect. They had, of course, Hunter on Doncic. At the outset, and really for most of this game, then Reddish took him on when Hunter left the game or when he was actually on the floor. Um, Cam was very aggressive, to be sure, which we'll come back to later on. But after a timeout, they went to Gorgie Jang and Solomon Hill, and then it was DeLon Wright as the last guy. So they went with a full second unit quite a bit in this game. Uh, it was kind of a rock fight in the first quarter. Uh, the Hawks actually, both teams scored less than .9 points per possession. In the first quarter of this game, the Hawks led by two points despite not shooting the ball well at all because they held Dallas to 26% shooting in the first period. Overall, though, rotationally, again, it was a 10-man group from the Hawks, and they really used full, like almost line-change hockey-style units in this game. Uh, it was a full second unit for about seven minutes or so in the second quarter. Uh, but they did have one big run. It was a 12-2 push keyed by Herter and Reddish, who actually had a three and had a nice uh, three-point play through contact. And after a timeout, actually had a good rim attack as well. But the second unit played a long, long time. And honestly, McMillan sort of flagged this in the preseason as something they might do. He might he seems to like having units like that together. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of that. I think that, that um, in the way the game is played at this point in time, using a full second unit for extended periods of time is going to get you beat sometimes. Yes, the Hawks are very deep. That kind of allows you to have more leeway. But I don't really love really packaging like you know seven minutes of the first half of a competitive game with a, with a second unit. It's not not the greatest thing in the world. So didn't bite them here. Actually played very well with that group. But it's something to keep an eye on uh, just long term because you know if you're playing that lineup against starters, it might be a little bit dicey in some respects. Um, and honestly, beyond that, Bogdanovich and Capella sat for about ten minutes in a row in the first half. And obviously Capella was limited in this game, but Bogdanovich sat for forever almost. There was some foul trouble there, but still. That's a long break in the first half without like crazy foul trouble. Uh, Trey Young didn't score in this game, so like four minutes left in the first half. Kind of a slow start for him as well. His passing was great. We'll come back to that as well. But he uh, he, he played well in this game, just didn't have a huge scoring night early on. Um, Lost pushed push the lead up to 12 late in the first half. Dallas had one more run in them, getting it back down to like you know, six or seven, basically. But they brought in Herter late. Um, it still ended up in a bucket for Dallas, but it was a great block by John Collins from behind in the final minute of the first half. Then he scored. I thought he was fantastic in this game overall, particularly in the first half. And the second half, everybody was pretty good as well. But they led by seven at the break. Dallas really had, tr- had trouble scoring. I thought Hunter, for early and often, was great defensively against, against Luka Doncic in this game. Um, they forced 10 turnovers. Dallas shot 32% from the floor. The Hawks did struggle in their own right offensively with 25% shooting from three and eight turnovers. But Collins, 
had eight points. Reddish had 12 in the first half. And Trey was two of nine, and they were still winning. And that was certainly a positive uh, sign that was of obviously more to come in the second half. But defensively, the tone was set early and often, and they kind of leaned on that end of the floor throughout this contest. Before we get to the second half of this game and a visit from Tyler Jones and much, much more on the show today, a word from our friends at McDonald's. And McDonald's has been proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than a place to just get tasty and affordable food. It is much more than that, in fact. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's a place where classmates can come meet for a study group, knowing that they can depend on the Wi-Fi and the endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. It's a place where teams and competitors and home teams and away teams rivals, and anybody in between come to recharge, and it's a place where you can look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. McDonald's has been great for me for a very, very long time. I'm a fan of all kinds of things on the menu, and a sneaky thing for a sports writer slash podcaster like myself is that the dependable Wi-Fi is a huge, huge bonus. I can sit there, I can eat great food, and also work at the same time, and I'm always on the go, so McDonald's being all over the place and very convenient and very tasty is a home run for me. With all that said, you can head to the local McDonald's right now to refuel and connect. And honestly, it might even be a great spot for a Locked On Hawks watch party. Check out McDonald's today. I'm loving it. All right, and second half was obviously very fruitful for Atlanta, having led, of course, at the break, but pushing things up. The third quarter was really dominant from Atlanta. It was 35 to 20 in favor of the Hawks, and that kind of broke things open in a way that was uh, pretty evident. There was a nice block by DeAndre Hunter on Porzingis early on, who is a legitimate 7-3. Um, Hunter had a jump shot as well, a couple of jumpers actually, early in the, in the third quarter. There was a great high-low pass from John Collins to Clint Capella for a lob dunk. That's something that we flagged forever with regard to Collins and his passing development. That was a good look from him. Trey made the whole thing happen getting downhill, but Collins turning and making, making the right play, finding the lob, being accurate with it, and a dunk there to uh, set them, some things up offensively. That was, a very, that was a fantastic play by all parties involved. And the Hawks had a 9-2 run to have their largest lead at that point. It was by 15 mid-quarter in the third, that became an extended run, an extended run of 18-5. to five. So basically a couple of like 9-2, 9-3 runs smashed together. And that suddenly the Hawks are up by 21 points and the game is like almost over at that point. It wasn't all the way over, but it was close. The Hawks made six shots in a row to close that run. And at one point, both teams had taken 62 shots at the same time. And the Hawks shot 50% on those shots. The Mavs were shooting 29%. And that is the difference in the game in some respects. Um, rotationally, very similar again. Herter and Hill this time were the first subs, but Reddish was right behind them and lots of those three guys in the second half. The lead was up twenty to was up to 22 at the end of the, of the third quarter, but the Hawks had a fantastic third quarter overall. They shot 64% from the floor and four of six from three in that period. Trey Young alone by himself had 12 points and nine assists in the third quarter. Nine assists in 11 minutes. He was fantastic. He sat the final minute. That was basically it for that. Dallas was 725 from the floor as well to make things even more pretty for the Hawks. And through three quarters, Dallas was scoring about 0.85 points per possession, which is dismal. And uh, credit to the Hawks for that. And then the fourth quarter, it wasn't like garbage time by any means, but they actually used the full bench unit again. It didn't really matter. Um, the one thing that I was noting is that Cam was not shy in this game. Shot the ball a lot early, often, and frequently. I had a couple shots that were probably a little bit out of control, but very aggressive. Good to see him attacking, if nothing else. And they pushed the lead up to 27 um, pretty quickly. And honestly, defensively, it was consistent the entire way. There was a great kickout pass from Magdanovich to Reddish who for a catch-and-shoot three that was in rhythm that looked great. And that sort of capped that run at 27 and kind of ended the game. It was kind of already over, but that was probably the single play where it was like, okay, this game is pretty much done at this point in time. And they entered the bench with about three and a half minutes to go. They bring in Jalen Johnson along with TLC, Cooper, Mays, and DeLon Wright. 
playing super small in garbage time. And Jalen Johnson hits a three on the first possession that he came in, uh, his sort of NBA debut. That was pretty cool to see him firing away. He was not, not shy about shooting at that point in time. Um, but that pushed the lead up, up to 30, which is the high-water mark of the game for the Hawks. And it uh, didn't really matter too much at that point, at that point in time. Down the stretch, gets to 26, and that's where the final margin actually landed. Um, we're going to get some takeaways now from the game before I hand it off to Tyler for a few moments. Um, offensively, the Hawks had a slow start for sure. The second half was brilliant. And even for the whole game, 31 assists, 13 turnovers. Now, the turnover number is a little bit higher than you would want, but not terrible. In the second half, the Hawks had 20 assists. And yes, Trey had nine of those in one quarter, but still 20 assists in any half, regardless of context, is an awesome number. They also shot 11 of, th- 11 of 19 from three after halftime. 50% from the floor or better in the second half. And for the full game, even with the slow start and garbage time, it got up to about 1.1 offensive rating. Um, that's, you know, league average-ish. It's not as great as the Hawks would probably like to be, but given their defense in this game, it didn't really matter. And they ended up posting like 58% true shooting. Um, very, very solid across the board numbers offensively. Not going to blow you away with this, but when you're going to guard like they did in this game, it was more than enough. And turnovers were sort of uh, fewer in the second half. It dominated the points in the paint battle in this game. Just kind of checked a lot of boxes, and that was good to see. And then again, defensively is the headliner in this spot. No question about it. The Mavs scored 87 points in this game. That matches their season low from last year where they played 72 games. And in that game last year, where that was their season low of 87 points. That was a game without Luka. They actually won that game. They played the Thunder, who were dreadful last year. So really, this is probably their worst offensive performance in two seasons. And the Hawks deserve a lot of credit for that. No question about it. Um, so, you know, great contests all night on shots. Hunter on Doncic, Reddish on Doncic. Um, Solomon Hill got some credit from McMillan after the game. And yes, they didn't shoot it great in this game. You know, Dallas, um, I'm sure you've seen this probably making the rounds. The, the Mavs took a lot of mid-range shots that didn't work out very well. Jason Kidd's getting poured on tonight. But at the same time, the Hawks did a lot of things to deter the Mavs. Um, you know, number-wise, it's very obvious. You know, Dallas had Seven pass, seven pass break points. That's very, very low. Um, defensively, on the glass, Hawks did a great job. Um, only, I mean, they did have 10 offensive rebounds, but that, that was not bad at all, given all the shots they missed. A 17% offensive rebound rate is very, very good in terms of the defensive side for the Hawks. They only got to the line 13 times, did Dallas. And the big one is that Dallas only attempted 19 shots at the rim. That is a stunningly no, low number, which tells you how good the perimeter defense was in this game for Atlanta. Obviously headlined by Hunter and Reddish. And then... Finally, 26 points in the paint for the Mavs in this game. League average is like in the, into the mid or high, mid to high 40s. So basically that tells you how far they were below that. Um, 33% from the floor for Dallas in this spot. So an 85 defensive rating or so, that's going to be elite. Clearly that's a little bit having to do with Dallas playing poorly, but the Hawks did play great defense in this game. It cannot be overemphasized, I would say, in this spot. Like you can't, uh, you know, I'm not making this up. You know, Dallas is a good offensive team, which we'll get into with Tyler in a second as well, but Dallas is very good offensively, um, even on a bad night. And to hold them down this far on a big stage and just kind of play lights out, that was pretty darn impressive from Atlanta in this spot. All right, with that, I will turn it over to Tyler Jones for a few moments. So here is Tyler and I talking about tonight's game. For the first time ever, I am joined by Tyler Jones in what I think will be brief fashion in this post-game setting. Tyler, uh, welcome to the podcast. You've invited yourself on, so what are we talking about? Uh, yeah, so I was ba- I, I this time I actually badgered uh, Brad multiple <laughs> times to get on the pod because I had to I had to talk I had to talk about this performance. This was 
I mean, you want to talk about proof of concept. I mean, I, I know the Mavericks are playing under Jason Kidd and maybe they got some issues, but defensively, right, they were on it all game. Yeah, like, they were. That was, that was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a Hawks team. And like, uh, I mean, I guess the only one that's come close is the 14-15, but the way they dominated physically was so impressive to me. You know, like they they gave up no second chance points. They, they did not let anybody get to the paint. Like there were no paint shots all game for the Mavericks. And you're, if the Hawks are going to do this against a great, like Doncic could not go anywhere against DeAndre Hunter. That That was... I'm not sure there's a basketball player in the NBA that's ever played notches better than what, what DeAndre Hunter did tonight. Like that was incredible. And it got lost in the broadcast. Cause I mean, they were trying to hype up Porzingis for some reason. Is Brad, I got a question <laughs> for you. Is, it, is everybody Porzingis a- agent? Why are they talking, talking about him like this? Like, uh, I, I missed that. Uh, but I, I believe you, uh, I did see some tweets about how that was a topic of conversation. So I, I, like I kind of never got they it. Were, I mean, they were talking about unicorn this unicorn. I'm like, John Collins most of the time is just taking the ball from him. Like the dude, he's just not on the level. And the Mavericks, this is not a Mavericks pod, but I mean, they they kind of sunk their battleship because you. I mean, but this is proof of what the Hawks can do. Um, John Collins is just a good defender. He is like flat out, Brett. Like. Uh, there were a couple of possessions. John Collins was guarding Jalen Brunson on purpose. Nope. And they didn't even talk about it on like it, it went, men- it didn't go mentioned, but like when he can do stuff like that, like you could just have that versatility and then Deandre Hunter, just like, just man, like that, what he did defensively absolutely won them the game like that. He was the best player on the floor on both ends. Um, he and John Collins to me were, and, uh, I mean, if they can play defense like this through all 82, they're going to be in the running for the one seed. Yeah, that was a, it was a thoroughly impressive defensive performance, which of course I've, I'm talking about a lot on the rest of the podcast. But yeah, they they were very very good defensively, and I said this even I think it was in the third quarter. I was like, that's the number one takeaway. I know there was lots of other stuff to talk about between you know Collins being awesome and Cam Cam having 20 points and all this stuff. But my number one thing it sounds like your number one thing as well is just the way they defended in this game. So. Uh, yeah, very impressive. I mean, Dallas is a good offense, obviously. Dallas caveats. is not a good offense, Brad. Like, they're a great offense. Granted, yeah. they were running – they were trying to post up Trey Young to begin the game with Dwight Powell on the floor at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, there were some interesting decisions being made by Dallas in this game. And uh, honestly, I, I think – I'm not even sure who's – I was read this on Twitter too, and I agreed. It was like – there are multiple ways to try to attack Trey Young. And the one, if I'm the Hawks, the one that I want people to do is try to post him up because it's just not a high percentage thing. Yes. I mean, occasionally if you get it, if you get it isolated well, then yeah, you're, you're probably going to score on him. But in terms of like the overall offensive flow, like I kind of want them to try to do that. Hold on, Brad. You, you don't know who, who made that tweet? No, I don't. It was Harry Bob Bulgaris. Was it? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I think he's I think he's right uh, about that no, one. No, no, I mean it, it, it was just like you know I want you can attack Trey either by putting him in multiple actions or posting him up, and I know what I would do. And it's like, oh wow. I mean he's he, he's right, but I, I mean, mean listen, right. it, it's been a, it's a busy night for me. I'm doing a lot of things, so I actually did not have any idea that was who that was. No, that, that's it was just though. a fun. 
if you don't know who uh, Bob Volgaris is, he used to work for he the Mavs, for the Mavs until, until like, very recently. Like, like two like, months ago, yeah. Basically, so yeah. That's, so. uh, that's amusing, but I think he's right. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, but I mean, it, it was a – I mean, it's just an impressive div- – like the offense – and I, I guess just one more point before I, you know, let I, <laughs> I get off this call. You know, I got to bring up John Collins. He was great. Like, it just has to be brought up. Like his ability – Brett, the the early part of the game, very first quarter, the Hawks could not get into their sets. The Mavericks' size and length was bothering them. And they just run up. Collins posts up on Porzingis. He gets a good look. The next possession, they run a trade. Collins pick and roll. He sucks in the defense and gets a corner three for Bogdanovich. And, like, it just calmed the rest of this team down. And, like, it's the value. And it's not just Collins. You saw it throughout multiple games from multiple guys. Kevin Herter in the second quarter, just getting into the mid-range and taking open mid-range jumpers. Or DeAndre Hunter in the third quarter, taking pull-up middies on Doncic when Doncic was clearly stopped trying on defense. And the Hawks just took advantage of it. Like, just the multiple set of guys the Hawks have that can take advantage of somebody is something that other teams cannot replicate, uh, up to including the Mavericks. Like, I mean, the Hawks... I, you know, uh, say, you know, they were trying to post Trey. I thought Trey Young was pretty good defensively. He had multiple possessions where he was doing his job and like as a help defender. And like, if he's going to do this, if the team's going to play this level of defense with, with, you know, and we talked about, you know, all last year, how good Collins, Capella and Hunter were together on the floor. You combine that with their bench, which was also probably, I mean, Dylan Wright, then like, he's not going to get any credit, but, just having Dylan Wright come on the floor, be good defensively, not turn the ball over, get them in good offensive sets, like that's going to be major for this team. Um, and so I, I mean, what, what they went by twenty six, like that's. I mean, they, they were they were up thirty. Right, I mean, it was Jalen Johnson's three pointer put put him up by thirty, and that was the first play that actually was garbage time because the, there were still starters, but there were still starters in the game until that play. So it was twenty seven when they left, and thirty when Johnson hit that three. So I mean, they beat them as soundly as you. I mean, not it was like a fifty point blowout, but it was a complete and utter uh, destruction on the. Side. And again, that that again, the Mavericks team, you know, their offensive foibles aside, like that's going to be that's a good team that the Hawks just bossed around. Oh yeah, that's not a bad basketball team. They, they, they didn't the play Hawks, great at all. The Hawks, but did not, still. the Hawks did not have wins like this last year. Uh, even when McMillan was in, like all their wins were, you know, they event they would pull it out late in the fourth quarter, and like their superior talent would shine through. But they just were never able to sustain. Like they could get stops when they needed them, but they never did something like this where they could just completely take a team out out of what they wanted to do on offense. And so if this can carry. Throughout this season, I mean, you combine with just the amount of raw talent. And also, I think it's also important to note just how spread out they were offensively. Like, everybody got shots. Everybody got touches. You know, Cam, he he was going a bit off the deep end for a bit, but he kind (laughs) of... He reeled it in. He reeled it in. You know, so... He was very very aggressive for uh, a lot of the game. There was one stretch where it was uh, probably beyond the word aggressive but he uh, he did reel it in and was effective for the most part which is good yeah and, and you know maybe maybe he's just the guy who needs to take bad shots to get him into a flow into the game in order to find it but 
ideally you would like him to be smarter and, you know, value possessions a bit more, but hard to complain with, with his performance. Everybody, you know, everybody, shout out to Gorgie Jang, who looked really good out there. And, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm going to let you go, Brad. I, I just, no, I, I, this fan. is a good this is a good addition to have on this on this season opening podcast. I know you're fired up. I know Hawks fans are fired up, and they, and they should be. This is a heck of a statement win to go ahead and do this, and uh, I, I could feel your urgency. So it was good that we can do it. I appreciate it, Brad. <laughs> As for everybody else, please stay tuned. We'll have much more from this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grasshopper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. All right, before we get out of here, I will run down the individual players from this game. Uh, you know, five guys, sorry, four guys played uh, four minutes at the very end of this contest. No, no real takeaways from that. Jalen Johnson, six points in his debut. Shreve Cooper's actually missed his first three shots. Didn't have an assist. Uh, TLC and Skylar Mays played, and then Lou Williams was active, did not play in this game. Uh, elsewhere on the bench, Solomon Hill, 15 minutes, no points, did have two steals and an assist and, a re- and two rebounds. I already saw the uh, the murmurs from Hawks fans that I kind of warned you about in the last like two months, maybe more, that Solomon Hill is going to play if Gallinari is out or if somebody's out. Um, he's ahead of Jalen Johnson right now. Um, I, I get that. The uh, talent disparity is significant there, but Nate McMillan trusts Solomon Hill. He did his job in this game, and even after the game, he got some praise from Nate for his defense, and that's just going to be the way it is for a while. I thought he was fine in this game. Uh, Gorgie Jang played very well, I thought. Nine points, six rebounds, two assists, a steal, and two block shots, plus 13 for Gorgie in 14 minutes. You know, he shot the ball probably better than you'd expect. He got a couple of uh, pretty contested jump shots in this game, but defensively was very solid. Right place, right time kind of stuff. Not a matchup that's uh, too unfavorable for him, especially with, with Luka off the court in this game. So I thought Gorgie played very, very solidly. He'll take that all day long when he gave you in 14 minutes. And clearly they're they're willing and able and they're probably going to use John Collins as a backup center, as they should. But Gorgie does give you that more traditional center role and some depth in the front court in the absence of a Kongwu. Uh, DeLon Wright was quiet in this game, did not score. Um, 0-4 from the floor, 0-3 from the three, but had three assists, four rebounds, played good defense. Wasn't his absolute best, but I thought he was totally fine. And then Kevin Herter had a couple of nice mid-rangers in this game. 0-3 on, on threes, including a pretty bad air ball, which is kind of funny to see from Kevin. But I thought he played okay. Um, six rebounds, did have two assists and a block shot, was plus six. Uh, not his best, not his worst. And 22 minutes, something to circle as well. Um, as we've talked about for a while, he's going to play a little bit less this year if everybody's healthy than he did last year when he was averaging 30-plus minutes a game. But uh, I thought he did uh, a solid job. And did come in a couple times for bogey, um, not necessarily in the flow of the normal rotation. And then Cam Reddish was the most high-profile bench player in this game, the leading scorer for either team. 20 points for off the bench for Cam. 
in 21 minutes. Uh, I poke fun at it a little bit. Um, I'm almost considering uh, turning over my old catchphrase of Mike Scott will shoot and giving it to Cam, <laughs> at least for this night. Uh, it was kind of funny. Um, I commented a couple times, you know, Cam took 15 shots and three free throws in 21 minutes. And that's with not shooting down the stretch. I think at one point it was like 13 shots in the first 15 minutes that he played. That's probably a little bit too many. Um, I know he was aggressive and honestly had a couple of really nice takes to the rim. And those I will not complain about. If he's going to the rim hard and taking good shots and under control shots, that's totally fine. Um, there was a few settles, a few step backs that you don't want to necessarily have, as we talked about with Tyler briefly. Um, you know, maybe it takes a couple of those for him to just kind of get in the flow. There's a give and take there for sure, but I think defensively he was good in this game. He attacked the rim quite a bit. You see some of that upside that he brings to the table. Had a steal, had an assist, and three rebounds. I like to see a few more passes, um, and still, like for his career, the turnovers versus the assist column is not the best thing in the world, but he showed some of that uh, finishing, some of that aggressiveness, and he was not shy at all in this game, so I thought he played quite well. The efficiency is just okay, um, and three or four from three definitely helps. He's not going to do that every night, but at the same time, uh, you'll take 20 points off the bench, and very obviously, and uh, more of that from Cam is acceptable for sure, and we'll see what he can bring on Saturday. Um, to the starters in this game, and everyone played reasonably well. Bogdanovich was pretty quiet by his standards, had 11 points and two, two assists, three rebounds, and a steal. Four away from the floor, though, and three or five from three. Um, hunting a shot, as always, had some foul trouble early on, but just did a solid job across the board. Um, I thought Clickapello was very good. 21 minutes, um, obviously a restriction of some kind. I tweeted this, but it was kind of a funny moment. You can't really do it justice on audio only, but... Maybe Miller was actually asked about his restriction after the game, and he kind of stared at the at the stat sheet, the sort of physical stat sheet for a while before answering that they had kept him within his minutes limit. So that doesn't really tell you a whole lot, but at least I think it was probably a little bit closer. Um, there is one one side of this might be that they, you know, if they were in a, in a close game, maybe he was being held out a little bit more to play on the stretch. I would guess the restrictions probably somewhere in the mid twenties at this point, but that is a guess. Regardless, twelve points. 13 rebounds, two block shots, um, perfect from the floor, made all six shots that he took, plus 17. He looked great to me, so uh, that's a positive for Capella, getting through this game um, unscathed and playing well. Uh, Trey Young, obviously is Trey Young, and he's fantastic. Um, didn't shoot it great in this game, uh, but still managed to have 19 points on basically 18 junior possessions, so even on a bad night, he was uh, efficient enough. And 14 assists, including 9 in the third quarter alone. 14 assists is going to pop off. That will uh, definitely help my prediction that he's going to lead the league in assists this year. 14 to start off with is a good start on that front. 5 turnovers is fine for him. Plus 21, I thought Trey was under control. Uh, again, a kind of a slow start. Missed a couple floaters that he normally would probably make, but I thought he played well. And then uh, Collins and Hunter were, for me, the stories. I know I, probably you'll probably hear more about Reddish because of the scoring, and I get that. He played well as well, no question about it. But I thought Hunter changed the game defensively in this game, as Tyler was getting into as well. But 11 points, 3 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and 2 block shots. But he played great, like capital G great defense in this spot. Really kind of forcing Doncic into tough situations. I know ESPN Stats and Info is via Tim McMahon. I think Dallas was like 1 of 13 when Hunter was the primary defender on whoever it was, whether it be Doncic or somebody else in this spot. There's some luck in there as well with 13 shot attempts, but still... He was great. He was physical. Um, he was walling up, making a lot difficult on Doncic and Tim Hardaway Jr. and others. So you love to see that. As we talked about yesterday with Sarah Spencer, by the way, that show is still timely if you want to listen to it. Not a whole lot of Dallas-only stuff in there, so there's still some very applicable um, content in that piece of podcast audio. But in that conversation, we talked about how Hunter is like the swing piece for this team in a lot of ways. And 
if he plays like he did tonight, the Hawks are going to be in great shape. So that's where I'll leave it for now, but I can go on forever about the way he played defense in this spot. And I thought Collins was the best player on the floor, honestly, in this game at times. If not the whole game, a lot of the game. You know, Trey was good too, no question, and so was Hunter. But Collins, 16 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks, a steal, 3 assists on only 11 shots. He was very efficient, very effective, two-way stuff, you know, didn't have to take the ball you know, take a ton of shots, just kind of lived in the flow of the offense. If anything, again, sort of a familiar refrain from last year, maybe even probably should have taken more shots in some respects. But I thought I thought Collins was awesome in this game. Defensively, great positioning, outplay Porzingis by a lot in this spot, and I thought uh, it was a good sign for him 30 minutes. And, yeah, I mean, given they had a day off tomorrow, nobody had to exert a ton of energy. Just a positive all-around night at the office for the Atlanta Hawks. I think everyone knows that. But being a solid, like, playoff-level team by 26 points, uh, very, very strong start by everybody involved. That's not breaking news for me, but still worth noting. All right, that's it for today's game. Look ahead briefly to the next game on the docket. That's actually going to be Saturday evening. It's a 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern game. Again, I want to say, as a reminder, it's a 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time game on Saturday. Kind of a strange start time. And even more odd, because Cleveland's on a back-to-back. The Cavs play at home on Friday night at 7 or 7.30, I believe it is. And then they have a 6 o'clock game the next day. So they have no travel on the back-to-back, but still a back-to-back where the Hawks have the day off on Friday. And uh, for the record, as I'm recording this on Thursday evening, Cleveland is 0-1 right now as we're talking. They lost their opener by 11 points in Memphis. And the Hawks should be favored, barring some weirdness on the road in this game. They, that's a game that you're supposed to win. Cleveland is not you know, on the level of, of Oklahoma City or Houston or Orlando. Terrible. But Cleveland's a bottom 6-7 team in the league. So you're supposed to win this game on the road. We'll see how they handle that. And then they come back at home on Monday. So the schedule is busy early on. Six games in the first 10 days of the slate, but a day off on Friday to regroup and travel and uh, some obviously positive vibes coming out of the opener. So thank you for listening, everybody, to this podcast and every podcast that I do on this feed. Please subscribe to the show via the podcast platform of your choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Odyssey or Spotify. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, we should be there. If we're not there, let me know that. I'll get it fixed for you. Please follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnHawks. Leave five-star ratings and reviews. Those are also very, very helpful. Subscribe, unsubscribe, download all episodes, everything you can do to support the show. I really, really appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter, at BTRoland. And uh, yeah, if nothing else, we'll see you after the game on Saturday evening.